Stimulating talk with Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon. And uh, we'll get to Arnold Schwarzenegger's firm, firm, hard, hard, firm stance uh, against uh, harassing women. Because he was at South by Southwest, the arts and music celebration and ideas uh, in uh, celebration in Austin, Texas over the weekend. Elon Musk, by the way, also there at South by Southwest. Wait till you hear. What form of government he's declared Mars will have. So that's where we are with our our, our genius overlord, Elon Musk, that he's now, de- he's now declaring what form of government will will exist on the surface of Mars because he uh, his spaceship will be ready for short trips by 2019. So finders keepers, I guess. So this video of OJ was shot in 2006. I guess its ownership bounced around from hither to yon, and it was never aired in 2006 in support of his book, I Didn't Do It, But If I Did, Here's How It Was Done, or whatever, that narcissistic, uh, insulting book, that money grab that he he wrote where he de facto admitted to the murder. Well, in, in this interview, he fleshes out his recollection of the murder. And just like in the book, which which I've I've never read, but in in the book, he he hypothesizes a fictional person named Charlie, who is sort of his alter ego, a thinly veiled alter ego. So so that is what he did in this uh, interview from 2006. It was aired last night on Fox, and then in between clips, uh, leading up to his recollection of the murder, Soledad O'Brien had. Christopher Darden there, um, she, uh, the woman who conducted the interview in 2006, uh, and, and some other friends of Nicole Brown Simpson, uh, et cetera, and they were reacting to O.J.'s recollection. So so keep in mind, 2006, off the top of my head, um, actual permanent news director Chris Little, the Nicole Brown Simpson murder was the, – the, the not guilty was 94 the murder was 93, 92. Which one was it? Oh, he's on the phone. Sorry, interim news director. Uh, Blake doesn't know because uh, he wasn't born yet, but uh, I think I'm in I the was wheel. born in 91. I have no idea. The, uh, the, well, you know what? I wasn't born during the French Revolution, but I know all about that. I can tell you about old school baseball. I'm that sorry. That's, that's the most pretentious answer someone's ever given. But, um, but bottom line, it's 20 years later. And and he's, you know, because of double jeopardy, et cetera, he's not going to be criminally tried again. He doesn't have to use some hypothetical to do this. He could just flat out, you know, put on a, a tutu and, and, and dance, and as he's describing it, in iambic pentameter. But anyway, he sits down and he uses his, his uh, avatar, uh, Charlie. So this is his recollection of... The the night and and now you're off the phone now, Chris Little. The year of the Brown murder, Nicole Brown murder, was it ninety three? Oh man, I I don't remember the, the exact. Tri- the trial year. was ninety four, right? Uh, 
You know what? You you got me. I don't remember. I think so. It Do sounds, I have to go a, all Jane Wells on you? Well, I wasn't uh, I wasn't working uh, as a reporter at that time. So I therefore, not filling attention. I wasn't to really the news. paying attention. I was working in the cable TV oh. industry. Well, you'll what would find, you like to know about? You'll cable? find historically that the OJ trial was kind of a watershed here in Los Angeles. So yes, it and, was. I don't remember the like you, Brian. I don't remember the exact date. Well, so anyway, Tucci. Uh, so Thank anyway, you. here is his scenario, uh, the hypothetical. And again, he's this is supposed to be hypothetical. There should be no, there should be no detail that you can't remember since you're making it up. It's hypothetical. But this is OJ in his own words. Now picture this, and keep in mind that this is Purely hypothetical. 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 Yes. Why don't you tell me what might have happened on the night of June twelfth, nineteen ninety four? And let's just walk yeah. through the night. I, well, first of all, it's. This is very difficult for me to do this. Uh, it was very difficult for me because it's hypothetical. I know and I accept the fact that people are going to feel whatever way they're going to feel. <laughs> you know, uh, they're going to... Uh, that's, that's the first of his many, many, many weird laugh, la- laughter outbreaks as he's recounting beheading the mother of his children. Uh, um, you know, some, uh, whatever, uh, whatever they want to feel. In the book, the hypothetical is... Uh, Charlie. Uh, uh, Charlie. Air fingers. <laughs> uh, this guy, Charlie, shows up. The guy who I had recently become friends with. And uh, I don't know why you had been by Nicole's house, but it told me you wouldn't believe what's going on over there. So in other words, his alter ego has been spying on Nicole. And that N- Nicole has been getting some horizontal refreshment from uh, a young waiter from Metsaluna named uh, Ron Goldberg. You mean uh, Goldman? Uh, Goldman. Goldman. And I remember thinking, well, whatever's going over there has got to stop, right? So we kind of hooked up together, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of broad stroking this. We go over. Get in the back and go over. Let, let's just go back and do the details. Where did you I'm park? i the details. You park in, in the, the hypothetical in the alley. Right. You park in the alley. Yeah. And you put on a wool cap and gloves. Uh, in the hypothetical, I put on <laughs> cap and gloves. Right. Yeah. And um, you reached under the seat for? Um, a knife. Mm. I always kept a knife in the car for the crazies and stuff because you can't travel with a gun. Is it harp- hypothetically razor sharp? And I remember Charlie saying, you ain't bringing that. And I didn't, right? But I believe he took it. Mm. Charlie took the knife? Yeah. In the book. Yeah. Yes. Hypothetically. So, the back gate, you go through the back gate. Yes. And it was open or broken or? I don't recall. Okay. I go. To- it's a hypothetical. Just make something up. It's a hypothetical. It just say a unicorn flew down from the heavens and grabbed you and, and flew you over the gate. Whatever. It's a, it's a hypothetical. Make it up. To the front and I'm looking to see what's going on. Um, and I can see that it appears like Nicole had, fly, I had candles all the time. Oh, there's candles like she's expecting someone to show up. So we'll come back uh, in just a second. So, again, it's it's a uh, he's insisting this is hypothetical just to cover his legal ass. But then he also can't uh, he can't recount details uh, because of uh, he can't or they he doesn't remember them or something. But one of the details I couldn't recount for you was the trial, the verdict was October 95. 95! That's no hypothetical. No. It's a hyperthetical. This is good stuff. Well, uh, yeah, wait, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait till you hear about how much blood there was and what uh, what happened to that glove that fell. Uh, that more OJ in his own words. 
I love it when these cold cases are finally solved, and it's never who you thought it was. Uh, it is the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Tooth filling in. KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. More stimulating talk. If you're looking to win some money, listen up, Buttercup. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. It's a simple one-step plan. All right, you're listening. Step one, answer the phone. There you go. All right. Yeah, answer the phone, even if it's from a number you don't recognize. Your next chance to win is next hour. You have a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday. So uh, listen up and put a grand in your hand. Uh, all right, OJ is uh, from a 2006 interview. This was on Fox News last night. This is for the first time in his own words, in his own voice. He's describing uh, by using this rhetorical device of a imaginary friend named Charlie who has been spying on Nicole and then gave OJ a heads up that Nicole has been rubbing fuzzies with uh, with people. And OJ decides this, this has to end, so he goes to confront Nicole. Uh, but Charlie has brought a knife. OJ's wearing a, a black stocking cap and, and black gloves, and he's wearing an all-black outfit. And uh, Charlie brought the knife, not not OJ. So uh, OJ now has gone through the back gate. I'll rewind it a little bit here. He's gone back, gone back through the white, the, the the back gate, which was either unlocked or broken or whatever. And Nicole has candles out. She has candles in the apartment. So um, you know, love is in the air. So let's go back to OJ last night. His confession of how he beheaded his wife. What's Excellent. going on? Um... And I can see that it appears like Nicole had fly, had candles all the time. She really did to keep her overhead down, I think. Yeah, that's what and it music was. music was on, and uh, while I was there, a guy shows up. You know? And that's Ron Goldman. So Ron Goldman comes in the back gate. Yeah, a, a guy that I really didn't recognize. I, I may have seen him around, but I really didn't recognize him to be anyone. And uh, so, so just to catch up, candles are lit. Music is playing, probably Grover Washington Jr. Love is in the air. The kids have been put to sleep. Nicole is awaiting Ron Goldman to show up and and Airfingers deliver some glasses or whatever. OJ sees this. He can put one and one together. He knows what's going on. Oh, what luck. He brought a knife. And I, in the mood I was in, I started having words with him. He says to you, I just came by to return a pair of glasses. Judy left them at the restaurant. Yeah, words to that effect, yes. And, and uh, I don't on. know if I believe it or didn't believe it. Uh, it was pretty much immaterial because, you know, uh, I was more concerned about everything that, that everything that was going on, you know, and uh, was uh, fed up with it, I guess. And uh, you get into a fight. Nicole comes out. And verbal, a verbal, a verbal fight. fight. Got a little loud, and by that time, uh, uh, Nicole had come out, and we started having words about who is this guy, why is he here, what's going on. And, and she says, this is my house, get that the F out yeah, of here. Yes, and uh, which I didn't like because, once again, this is the same person. And if you read the book, you'll see some things that happened in the two weeks leading up to this that were uh, very, very irritating, you know. Uh, 
And I think Charlie had followed this guy in, wanted to make sure it was no problem, and he brought the knife. As things got heated, uh, I just remember Nicole fell and hurt herself. And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And he, he mimics like a karate stance. That Ron Goldman seeing O.J. or Charlie strike Nicole. She's down. She's hurt herself. Ron Goldman goes into a karate stance. And I said, well, you think you can kick my ass? And I remember I grabbed a knife. I do remember that portion, taking a knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around. And, um um, a lot of, I believe, a lot of O positive and A B negative stuff. I wish I could hypothetically remember this many things. Oh, I know, a lot of stuff. There's stuff around. What, what kind of stuff? What kind of stuff? Oh, blood and stuff around. You know, we, you know, I hate to say this, but this is hypothetical. I'm right, sorry. Right. I know we got to back up again. Right. Again, that's him recounting that there was a whole bunch of blood, and it cracks him up. After that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around and um, um, what kind of stuff? Blood and stuff around. You know, we. You know, I hate to say this, but this is not even that. I'm right, sorry. Right. I know we so, got to back up again. We had to listen to it like ten times. He 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 says, "I hate to say this, but this is hypothetical." He keeps repeating that. He's saying that as he's laughing. Yeah. I hate to say this, but this is not even that. I'm right, sorry. Right. I know we got to back up again. Right. It's <laughs> okay. I want to back this up. Is hard. This is this hard. Is hard. To, yeah. I know. Yeah. I want to back it's up hard to, to try to make people think that I'm. A... <laughs> I know. I know. Um, you wrote in the book, "I had never seen so much blood in my life." Mm. Yes. Covered. You're covered. The scene. Can you describe yeah, it? I, I, it's hard for me to describe it. I'm telling you, I don't think any two people could be. Um, Murdered the way they were without everybody being covered in blood. And, of course, I think we've all seen the grisly pictures after. So, yeah, I think everything was covered. He sounds proud of his work, by the way. Covered in blood. So, again, the coroner's report, Nicole Brown Simpson, her throat was slashed with such anger and strength that she was nearly decapitated, right down to the, the cervical vertebra. Um, the the veins, the the arteries, everything, the viscera, esophagus, everything. He was sawing at her head. That's that is how violent he went at her. Ron, I forgot. Ron Ron Goldman was stabbed all over the chest and all that. Of course, there's blood all over the place. And I'm glad he thinks it's that funny. And why is he doing this? This was 2006. Uh, that's right. 2006. Well- and at the end, why did he do it? They they did say he did not authorize this being, uh, you know, released. But again, he wrote that book. But I, why would he sit down and do this? I don't know. And and then he's he he doesn't even break character. He's laughing about it. There was so much blood. All right, Dean Sharp is uh, going to join us uh, next. The House Whisperer will uh, will perhaps have some. We, we won't we won't meld uh, topics uh, and, and talk about how to get blood out of a carpet. That's not funny, but. We'll uh, be here with uh, Dean Sharp right after this. The House Whisperer on with Gary and Shannon. Brian Suits filling in KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. You watch me beat it till I can't breathe. Shaking body onto my knees. And now that I'm without your kisses. I'll be needing stitches. Tripping over myself. Gary and Shannon. Brian Suits filling in KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk and uh we'll, we'll, we'll 
been the one o'clock hour. We'll replay the OJ uh, admission. Also, a uh, proposed constitutional amendment to end sanctuary states. We'll talk to some victims of um, illegal alien crime. I will say here and uh, at one thirty. But right now, the House West for Dean Sharp. High steps his way in here uh, to talk about stuff and junk. We were talking about high uh, stepping people. People, you uh, absolute high step at your step. Um, people, uh, I don't know. It, some might call it pretentious, but the antiquing of of your house. Are you talking about when someone remodels completely? Well, this is a part of it. There's this whole vintage movement that's been taking place for almost twenty years now. Almost You're, twenty we're talking the, the, years in L.A. All over and San Francisco, anywhere there's old houses, all old timey houses over the U.S. Yeah, it started back in the mid to late 90s with shabby chic you remember shabby chic kind of yeah shabby chic was uh it was very white like white linens and it brought in the idea of like bringing in a dresser into your home with a crackle finish on it yeah. so that the paint looked like it was cracking and it looked you could see the under layer of paint and it was a different color and but shabby chic was a a well, to be honest, it was a highly feminized version of this. Yeah. Okay. It was. It's very white, very roughly. It was almost Victorian. Can I say? In its pottery in, barn. Uh, weren't weren't they the invaders? Be, weren't they the the the, the pushers of this drug? Um, you know what? I don't remember what Pottery Barn was doing back in but, the night, but I'll tell you the story that was copper stuff. Anthology was oh, a, was yeah, a yeah, chain yeah. that was bringing Shabby yeah. Chic in like crazy. Yeah. Okay. So Shabby Chic came in, and then ever since, and a lot of people say, well, Shabby Chic is over, and, you know, it is, essentially. But it is still here. It has evolved. It has evolved and twisted. It has masculinized some, and uh, it has basically kind of right now settled into, uh, I hesitate to use the term, it, it has settled into what the Magnolia folks out in Fixer Upper Land in Waco uh, now have uh kind of built their brand around, which is modern farmhouse. Yeah. Modern farmhouse. So it's... Everything it's, looks antique It's a... Yeah. Without it's a, you actually having to spend weekends finding the stuff on your own, you you get a uh, an, an old teapot. Yeah. But it's actually was made in India about six months ago. Yeah. So the idea is this. So this Sunday, we're going to talk about how to actually do rustic vintage finishes. And there is no single term for this. You got terms like... Uh, there are so many terms. Uh, distressed, weathered, farmhouse, Acid vintage, ru- you know, antiqued, reclaimed, all of this kind of stuff. It's all basically, in my mind, it sums up in one term, nostalgia. There is a movement that has been taking place. A lot of people say, oh, oh it's going to be out any second. Some designers are saying it's already out. But I take issue with that because I see where our culture is headed. and I think it's going to hold on. Um, and the reason it's going to hold on is because we are racing into the future into uh, with technology, and none of us want to let it go. But technology is super disruptive, and the disruption periods are happening more and more frequently. And I think there's, only, there's a certain amount of disruption and change that human beings can handle, and we kind of hit that limit, and we medicate ourselves from disruption by turning back and grabbing onto something old and kind of timeless that kind of gives us peace of mind and that's nostalgia and that and the thing is i can completely get in the space of some douchey hipster 
who is it, making it, it, way more money than he should be, and you you look along Boyle Heights or or you know old school Los Feliz, and you have a shot at buying a 1947. You know, L.A. bungalow that maybe's what fourteen hundred at most fourteen hundred square feet. Maybe it even has a basement. Sure, you see that, and you say, "I'm not going to rip it down. I'm going to restore it. It's old growth cedar, whatever they made it from." And but I'm going to wire it with my. You know, it's going to have a four K nine. Yeah, you're going to modernize it. I I think that's cool to restore those 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 old houses. Uh, uh, but but I, I I you know why restore it to make it look like it's. Like you just moved in and it's a flop house. I mean, I I would. That's what. That's the thing is. I would rather. I'd rather restore it as if it was the day it was built, not restore it and then put like you say crackly paint on a new dresser. No, make it look like it's 1946. But now you have Alexa in the corner. Well, that's true. And, See, and a and, clone of your dog. Okay, so and that's one of the design aesthetics that I think a lot of people miss. You know, uh, Christine and I have a uh, kind of an aged look. To our house, or I should say a weathered look. But one of our rules for designing a period kitchen is not to fill it with anything that looks like antiques. It's to fill yeah. it with actual antiques <clears throat> that look like they're about one year old. Yeah. See, I like it. I mean, okay. I, I, I even like, there's a great store here in Burbank that has fully restored old appliances. You don't buy them. They look crappy. brand new. Like, yeah. They don't look like they're falling oh, apart. I had a refrigerator that new. was actually an old Coke machine, and it was bright red when I bought it. I mean, it looked like it came off the factory, and I and I loved it. It looked like the day uh, the the, uh, the thing was made. We'll take a break. When we come back, I forgot to ask you about this. Have you heard about this weird pushback movement in Boyle Heights against people moving in with jobs, uh, new restaurants, things like that? That there's a pushback against people buying old houses in L.A. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the details uh, when we uh, come back. Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, is here. This might require a House Screamer because this is such an idiotic thing that's going on right here in uh, in L.A. We'll give it a shot. Uh, back right after this, Gary and Shannon, Brian Suits filling in KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. <laughs> Asbestos house shingles. There's an investment. KFI M640 more stimulating talk. It is a Gary and Shannon show. Brian Suits filling in. Dean Sharp joins us. Yeah, I was trying to find this audio of anti-growth protesters in Boyle Heights chanting, chanting things like "Bring the fire" and "F the hipsters" uh, and uh, and all that. I should have known that we were just going to talk disruptive politics, as opposed to, you know, you're you're a builder. I'm a tear down. Yeah, that's the thing, my friend. So Sunday show, you know, we're going to go over these rustic vintage finishes, and I'm hopefully going to give people some inspiration and some insight into what to do and what not to do. Because, and I feel for folks, because this has been such a hugely popular movement, and we're in no way or shape or form out of it now, that a lot of authentic vintage stuff is just completely out of folks' price range. So the idea of taking something that isn't necessarily vintage or taking brand new wood off the shelf from Home Depot and transforming it into something that looks dated uh, is the only option for a lot of people. And and quite honestly, it's it's a great option if you do it right. Hey, let me ask you this. In your experience, the the houses that we were talking about, Boyle Heights, some of the old neighborhoods in in L.A., when they were originally constructed, either late 30s or 40s, were they bare wood floors and then you, you rolled a car uh, a rug? Uh, or, or Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, absolutely. This, this is pre-plywood. And so this is pre-World War II is a 
pre-plywood home construction era. So those inch and a quarter, two and a quarter inch by three quarter inch thick hardwood oak, yeah. white, white or red oak floors. Yeah. That was the plywood subfloor of the day. That was it. So sometime in the 50s or 60s, someone said, let's carpet this place. Well, see, every I say this all the time on the show. Architecture is shelter. That's the practical side of it. And it's story. There is no separating architecture, especially home architecture, from the story that you're carrying around, the cultural story. you got to understand, in the 1920s, during the Great Depression, into the early 30s, everybody's house had these wood floors, dusty wood floors. And uh, so we always joke, my, uh, my, my wife's grandmother, it took forever for us to convince her to yank the wall-to-wall carpeting out of her house and expose the luxurious hardwood underneath. And why is that? Because she's a child of the Depression, and for her, she associates those bare hardwood floors with poverty. And when Ah. the 50s rolled around post-World War II, guess what? A wall... Shag, baby. You know, upholstered floors. That's terrible. Upholstered floors. That is living like a king. No and, one got rug was, burns and, and until you, 1957, and you, and you, the scientific fact. You couldn't pry that out of her story, and, and that's why it was such a thing. And these days, that's like the first thing someone does, is tear up tear up the carpet. Well, nowadays, because yeah. we have a, a new generation and a whole different story. We didn't go through that. We don't associate those things with such negative associations. So what is your thesis, that you're denouncing this movement or you're denouncing the cost increase? I'm not denouncing any of it. It's completely What's your game, Sharp? My thesis is this. There are people out there who who are going to buy, have the budget to buy uh, legitimate vintage stuff. Great. Do it. Have a blast. Uh, Because that's the style they're working at. There are folks who don't want to... uh, mortgage the house again just to to furnish it with vintage looking stuff for them there are options there are options of how to diy and treat a newer stuff to get it to look that way but you got to be very careful it's not just oh go run down to the store uh, listen to the first youtube video that you see online that tells you oh here's how you age wood there are good ways to do it there are bad ways to do it. There are right and wrong ways to do it, and they completely affect the end product. And it's a tricky thing. I love it. I just I dig it because it's artsy and because, you know, one of the hardest things for human beings to do artistically is to recreate natural randomness. It is a struggle for us. And so like grain and knotty and not yeah, and just wood that, and things like, like well, yeah, yeah, when you start to say where. You're going to create a look of wear and weatheredness. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm 90% of the stuff that I see, I just look at and it's like, well, there's, there's nothing antique about that at all because that piece is trying too hard. So there's an artistry of restraint, of holding back, of not going, you know, crazy with it. Um, and, and it leads to a world where you have precast floor tiles with dog paw prints already cast in them. What BS? Have you seen that? What crap? You know what is cool? It was that, made at the factory like that. Yeah. You're not fooling anybody. Well, see, that's the thing. There's a lot of stuff that isn't, you know, architecture is theater. I have a rule about theater. It's the rule that every uh, set decorator in theater uh, works by. The closer you get to a prop, the more you interact with it, the more realistic and authentic it has to be. The further it is away, you know, the less you have to put into it. And so when it comes to stuff that you're actually making constant contact with, you need to strive for authenticity. 
I'll tell you where you find paw prints that are authentic, old school, true Mexican Saltillo tiles. Yeah. Saltillo tiles, in fact, it's a tradition in Mexico that you don't lay a Saltillo floor unless you have what? At least two or three of the tiles. Bird footprints? Some kind of tracks from squirrels or birds or whatever because a real Saltillo tile is cut out of clay and before it's kilned, it's actually dry baked in the sun. And during that time... You know, critters run over it in over the two or three days. Perros y gatos. There you go. Running around. And so bird us. it's bad luck to it's install that without it. But when you actually go to a tile store, find porcelain tiles that are made to look like Saltillo, and a few of them have actual footprints in them, and I'm not buying it. Nah. Anyway. Just say you and I are eye to eye on that. Authenticity. So You, you, you can't fake authenticity. You can't, but you, that? you can fake weathering a piece of wood and making it look older. My house yeah. is full of it, and people are convinced. They, they, I've got a barn door hanging in one of my openings, and people are like, wow, how old is this thing? I'm like, well, it's about two years old. I buy old kerosene lamps, and you know what I do? I restore them. I don't like them sitting around all you know, janky with kerosene on them, things like that. That's one of my pet peeves about a, a period movie. If a movie's set in 1932 and there's a 1932 Ford pickup, why it should be shiny? It, it should be like it just came out. It the should floor. be shiny, right? So right. Uh, you know what my my one rule about theater: never see cats. That's it. That's it. Yeah, the only one rule about theater, and that that will uh, that'll be it. I was really disappointed in Cats. <clears throat> Hence the. Rule. I like that one song, Memory. But I went and I'm like, there's no. St- I don't even no. know what's going on. It's it's not. Um, all right, so you're gonna you're gonna are you gonna name names and name stores? Are you gonna drop bombs? No, we're gonna talk around. No, that. why does it have to be that way, Brian? Because, like I say, there some of these. This stores, is not dark secret place. Some of these stores are selling the fentanyl packed cocaine of fake <laughs> fake antiques. Yeah, I, all I'm gonna do is is and they're uh, mainline. We're it. gonna sit down on Sunday with our Barry crew Barry. like we always do. And people are going to get inspired because they're going to find out how easy it is to do it the right way. Yeah. With a little steel wool, a little white vinegar, and some black tea bags. Yeah. It, it, uh, you know what, folks? Between now and then, stay out of Pier 1. There you go. Stay out of, stay out of Pier 1. Don't let your friends go to Pier 1. <laughs> or Cost Plus. Don't buy any kind of wood aging product that actually has the color gray in it. You no. Know, you don't need it. Uh, all right, there he goes, uh, Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, and uh, we will uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick you off, and I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to references, to veiled references, because I'll know what you're talking about now. All right, I'm gonna send you some code on Sunday. All right, thank you very much, uh, Dean Sharp. Is there when we come back? The president coming to Beverly Hills tomorrow. We'll tell you what details uh, that we have. Also, the aftermath of a, uh, uh, a deadly murder. Up at a veteran's home in the Bay Area, and Stormy Daniels uh, is wondering, can I void this deal by paying them back and then make a million bucks or what? That and more coming up. Gary and Shannon Show, Brian Suits filling in KFI AM640. More stimulating talk.